This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast for visiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Red Dwarf USA. Holly, where is everyone? There was an accident, Dave. A radiation leak. The entire crew was subjected to a lethal dose of cadmium, too. Is everyone okay? <laughs> Everybody's dead, Dave. That's what lethal means. <laughs> Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast with all my childhood crushes. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Who are your childhood crushes? The uh, Daphne from Frasier and Dax from Deep Space Nine? Perfect, you got them both. That's it, huh? Great, great choices for this, for the show. I remember I had a friend in high school and his big crush was Sandra Bullock. And I always thought that was odd, I don't know why. No, it's a good one too, I, I'm a big fan. Mine are from people that, uh, if you check their ages, they're much, much too old now. I'd be like, ooh, and Margaret. Yeah, you like, uh, like my grandmother's Edith age. from All in the Family. <laughs> you like... That's right. That's right. Edith. All right, Jordan. Well, this week we are getting in to a uh, failed pilot. Failed, like one and a half failed pilots, really. Yeah. Um, for an Americanized version of the British cult classic Red Dwarf. More like White Dwarf, am I right? I, I believe in on the Wikipedia they mentioned uh, that the creator started calling it that because they uh, eventually removed all people of color from the show. Yeah, although I, 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 we were just talking before we started recording. I did watch a very mini tiny, uh, mini tiny uh, documentary, like a thirty-minute thing, just about a little behind the scenes of uh, how this kind of came about. And the, um, the British showrunner who was sort of involved in this, he Rob Grant or made Doug a point. Na- uh, Naylor, I guess it was one of those guys, and uh, and he mentioned. Uh, he was like, look, it was unintentional. He's like, we didn't realize till afterwards we were trying to fix it. He's like, yes, it happened, but it wasn't like we were purposely trying to do it. Not that that's maybe the best excuse, but it wasn't a conscious decision regardless. Right, right, right. I mean, you would assume it wasn't them since they have far more people of color in their version. So I just assumed it was the American networks who were like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, I mean, not to get too deep into it, but what it really was was they just had decided that the person who was playing, quote unquote, the cat just it just wasn't as good and they were never going to find someone as good as the british version so they were just like let's just go in a complete different direction what if we just made it a woman and so that's that's really what it was right and women only come in the white varieties so. there you go <laughs> that's anyway. been well established in the science fiction shows we've watched that's true um at any rate uh are you familiar with the original series you know, I know the name Red Dwarf just through whatever cultural osmosis but I never watched the show I don't I didn't really know much about it. I actually kind of thought it was more like, I don't know why, but I thought it was like like a hard sci-fi kind of show. I didn't realize it was a comedy, which is kind of silly, but I just didn't realize. Oh, wow. So you literally have never seen an episode. No, no. Have you? I mean, for some reason, I've definitely seen like two or three episodes over the course of my life, whether mm. it was just maybe I was at a friend's house who had cable or something. And well, it's been like, on a long time. Yeah. So I, I've seen a couple episodes and I... It's possible I've even seen the pilot. I mean, I, I can't be sure. Uh, but, yeah, I've seen, like, a couple episodes here and there. And I remember being interesting. Like, I don't remember, like, disliking when I saw it. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't easily accessible, I don't think. I think if when this had started, I think it was 88, right, when it started? If Something this like had that. had been uh, airing somewhere available for us in North America, I don't think this would have tickled my fancy at all, you know? Even it at its best P- it, was, it was available in North America on PBS, apparently. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. It wouldn't have tickled your fancy. To, to, you weren't into the British humor? No, I mean, and it's, and it's not even really a question of the quality. I just think there's 
a certain level of uh, enjoyment that one gets out of that kind of comedy. We mentioned this when we were doing Other Space, and you had mentioned, you know, how far the, the that show in, you know, how much enjoyment you got really is based on how much you can enjoy kind of sketch comedy. And I sort of feel the same way about this is like that uh, Monty Python-esque kind of humor. How far does that go for you? For me, it's not really my thing. And I, I understand and can appreciate it, but I'm like, I'm not sitting back going like, whatever. I don't know, quoting Monty Python sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, you're you're more of a Quark fan. <laughs> That's right. Feeding tubes all the way. <laughs> Well, the, the pilot for the American version was intended to come out in the, during the NBC 1992 season, which would have been, I believe, just after the fourth series had uh, scre- uh, been on air in uh, the UK. So I'm trying to remember what would have come out here in 92. Like, what would have been a, like, I know all shows that were on the air, but I'm trying to think of something that came out in 92. Do you know? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I know Batman Returns came out in 1992. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. I was excited. I'm sure. I'm sure you were lining up at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Your dad annoyed to be there. No, I went with my. Uh, I went with my grandfather to Batman Returns. How did he enjoy? He said to me, he only wanted to go because of Christopher Walken. That's what he said to me. I'm a big Christopher Walken fan, eh? Apparently, <laughs> very strange. <laughs> well, the the adaptation of like this pilot itself was an adaptation of the I guess the original British pilot, right? But it was obviously kind of – some rewrites were done, and the um, writer credited on the on the pilot is a, a gentleman named Linwood Boomer. Mm-hmm. Who I looked into um, a little bit, and he's had a long career. Yeah, I assume you were already a fan, Jordan, since you're a big fan of Little House on the Prairies. <laughs> I, I am a fan of Little House on the Prairie. Uh, do you know who he is on Little House on the Prairies? No. Adam Kendall. Hold on. Which one's Adam? Oh, he's the is he the blind guy that married Mary? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize it was the same guy. I saw the. I saw all his like writing stuff. I didn't realize he. Uh, he was old blind boy. I shouldn't say that. Used to terrible. watch it all the time. Used to watch him all the time, not knowing he became a writer. <laughs> I also didn't know it was syndicated by the time I was watching. Thought those were live. Can I guarantee that you had a crush on Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> <laughs> on one of the characters in Little House on the Prairie? Yeah, I don't, I'd have to remember. <laughs> maybe, maybe Ma. <laughs> Um, but yes, he, he later became a TV writer and I think he's probably best known for creating Malcolm in the middle. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, little, little trophy on your shelf. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a well-respected show. He really went on to a, he had a very illustrious career. Mm-hmm. And Red Dwarf USA. And uh, you know what else, Jordan? What's that? I think he's Canadian. Oh, really? Hey, there's another yeah. for us. He should, he should be on the, one of our sad little walks of fame somewhere. I bet you we gave him an award at some point. Yeah, guarantee. He could walk into any any city and any store and just take what he wants. At any rate, he, he wrote the pilot and was kind of the creative force of the U.S. side. Though at some point, the creators of the original one, who he uh, mentioned, Rob, uh, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, they, they stepped in and did a rewrite on the pilot. And I, I, I'm sure it was in your little documentary, but I saw something like there was, a, there was some sort of like anonymous vote for the cast to vote for which version of the script they yeah. like better. So I'll tell you quickly from what I what I learned what kind of happened. So they took, as you said, they took the British version and they went, let's write our own version of it. They, uh, you know, casted it, blah, blah, blah. And they got to the point where they did the table read and it didn't go well. But they kept kind of progressing with it. And then sort of in the 11th hour, the two British showrunners who were who were kind of tangentially involved were like, why don't you let us try to rewrite this? 
And they were like, no, no, we don't want you to rewrite it. And they're like, well, let us let us try if we can write a script tonight. And so they said, okay, if you can write a script tonight. They went home, wrote a script, liked it, came back the next day. And uh, this guy, Linwood, not, um, what's his name? The American version guy? Yeah, Linwood, Linwood Boomer. He was basically like, I, I don't want to do that script. And so they were, there was like a push and pull. So they then went and secretly gave all the scripts to the cast and <laughs> had the cast read them. And then as the, uh, you know, uh, whether this is true or not, they said the cast all like the second, uh, second version did do a vote. Everyone voted for the second script. They said, okay, we'll shoot it. But then went back and they went, uh-huh, sure. And just shot the first script with some modifications to kind of pretend they were shooting the second one, but ended up just doing what they had wanted anyways. And then no one was happy. That sounds like it was a fun production. Yeah, it sounds like no one really enjoyed it, which was kind of sad. It just sounds like it was not going well from the beginning. And uh, yeah, anyways, that was the first the first version. Yeah, and then I guess what happened after they shot this first pilot is the studio execs sort of weren't entirely happy with how it turned out, obviously. So they, they brought the UK creators to America and they're like, hey, let's do a partial recast and then we'll give you like like a hundred dollars and a garage and yeah that's what they said they said it was they were like it was literally like a couple thousand dollars tops is all all they gave them you can tell when you see it but they what they did is they took the footage from the original pilot some of the footage from the original pilot they put some took some footage from the british show and then they kind of just shot like really basic like like there's literally one scene that's in front of like a white curtain and they just like brought in and sort of shot a new version of it and like most of the cast remains, but as you said, they they switched out the cat character with uh, uh, Terry uh, Terry Farrell from Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and then they also switched out one of the uh, one of I think the, the what's his name um, Lister I think no not Lister the other one one of the guys they switched out one of the other dudes on it Rimmer Rimmer thank you yeah, they switched yeah. out one of them just to see if it would play better um, mm-hmm. and kind of did a weird thing so we've kind of watched all of that stuff for for this particular podcast. Yeah, and we should say that this is now available on YouTube, but for years it was like a kind of prized pirate thing that kind of made its way around conventions of this, like, uh, you know, the myth and legend of this horrible remake. As per people who really like Red Dwarf, I think it's pretty unanimous that no one enjoyed uh, this American reboot. And I, I'll say this, without even talking about the quality of, of this thing that we're, uh, this pilot that we watched, I think it... It has a fan base that loves what it is. So no matter what they did, this probably wouldn't have been pretty well regarded. I, I would I would imagine, you know, like they would have had to really hit a home run with it. And I think that's maybe unfair expectations for something. I think I think British humor translated to American humor. There, there can be a gap between those two things. And this one does not figure out a way to bridge that gap. I mean, the yeah, office agree. did it at some point, but this certainly didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jordan, before we get into it, uh, since the show was supposed to come out in 1992, there were uh, three shows we've watched, a series and like a pilot, two series and a pilot uh, for a Continuum Dragon in 1992. Can you guess what what was on the air in 1992 that we've watched? What was the what was the one with the uh, the robotic dog? Was that 92? <laughs> the robotic dog. Uh, I, I don't remember. So, oh. no. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say A Man and Machine. That's one of them. When did um uh, uh when did uh, uh Cherry Two Thousand or whatever that come out? <laughs> Cherry Two Thousand. Didn't we watch that? What is Am Cherry I thinking my own life? What What are you talking about? I think it's something I watched on my own time. Uh, disregard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember. I, that's the only one I can think of. Was well, also Steel Justice. Oh, Steel Justice. Who could forget? 
Yeah, the robot dinosaur, mm-hmm. the monster truck. Yeah. And, of course, Nightmare Cafe with Robert Englund. Wow, Nightmare Cafe was all the way back in 92? Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have thought it was like 95. I don't know why. Yeah, there you go. There you go, 1992. What a big year. And you know what happened the year after, Luke? Your childhood dreams were made. 1993, Jurassic Park comes out. That's right. That's right. Big year for me. <laughs> you were still reeling from the the, uh, the failure of Red Dwarf, but it was all made better when Jurassic Park came out. I mean, it's uh, it was sad. it was sad. It's a good year for me because as as we said off the top, um, I'm a fan of Jane Leaves from uh, Daphne from Frasier and mm-hmm. uh, Terry Farrell from Deep Space Nine. Both of them, like immediately after shooting the show, end up on both of the shows because Frasier and Deep Space Nine come out in 1993. So big year, big year all around. And and I'll say I don't remember the gentleman's name. I don't know if you have it in front of you. Who plays the lead in this? He uh, and he. I feel bad for the guy because he seems like a genuinely nice person, and he also was a huge fan of red dwarf the original version and he sort of seemed really bummed out how bad the american version is at least in his opinion and he sort of took a lot of flack from people you know a lot of people saying like he's too handsome for the role and you know he just wasn't right for it and kind of slagging him off and he kept saying like i know i'm not right for the role he's like but i love the show and i want to do it and then uh right after this he um got offered the role on a small show of friends of joey and he turned it down oh no and uh, so I looked at his IMDb since he's worked a lot like he, he's he's in, in, you know, episode here, episode there. But he doesn't have friends money is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. He never quite got that like breakout. Yeah. But he g- genuinely seemed uh, uh, bummed that Red Dwarf didn't happen because he was a fan. And he also understands that, you know, while filming, he's like, this is not going to be good. Right, right, right. Well, let's get into it. Here's the IMDb yeah. summary for Red Dwarf USA. The Adventures of the Last Human on Earth. An evolved cat, a hologram, and a senile computer stuck three million years in deep space. This sort of premise of kind of the last, you know, someone stuck in space and trying to get home, whatever. This is a, a well-worn trope. Not that it's a bad thing, but we've even seen it a few times and stuff, right? I mean, not to, not even, uh, yeah. um, what was the one we just watched recently about the two dudes deciding who's going to kill the other one because there's only so much oxygen left? Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, lost in space, I believe it was called. Something like that. Something like that. Anyways, I trapped. mean, we, trapped in space. One of those. It's interesting to see. Obviously, that is a very different tone, a very different idea, but it's that same basic concept of you're the last person and you gotta get somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has a lot of tropes in it. It's, uh, the lost in space one. You're, you're far from home and it's gonna take forever to get back. A very hard sci fi version of that. You've got the, you've been put in stasis and wake up hundreds of thousands of years later. A real, uh, that's a classic. That's right. Yeah, that that's right. We've seen that too. Um, it's, it's got a lot of the tropes you've seen. And, you know, they're always just reshuffled. And, I, you know, it's not a bad idea. Uh, and I kind no. of like the kickoff to this one. Let me ask you, though. Do you think, obviously, I, I'm saying this knowing that Red Dwarf, the uh, original version, has been going for nearly 30 years in, in Obviously, the the English do it differently and take breaks sometimes for some reason in between seasons. But uh, it's been going strong for a long time, so it's been very successful. But it seems like on what we've watched, sci-fi comedy has been not terribly successful. It's 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 a difficult. I think it's a very difficult genre to 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 master and like get right. I I wonder why though. That's I guess my point is that all these tropes and stuff seem like they lend themselves to pretty good storytelling but for whatever reason that mix of humor and sci-fi seems i don't know to be a hard thing to nail down i mean i think in a lot of ways sci-fi is a very uh, niche market in like in some in some aspects and like comedy needs to be very broad and hit like a big audience hmm. so what you've done is you've like very much limited your audience as to who's going to watch it and then you have to also get the comedy right 
Well, I just think if the the jokes are sort of that uh, Mrs. Noah-esque of like, can you believe this hilarious technology for this one gag exists? I just don't know how well that does. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a toilet that uh, plunges itself. It's the future. You're like, uh, okay, great. <laughs> and I'm not that this leans into that that much, but but it is interesting to kind of see the difficulties that I think this will will discuss as you know the difficulties in trying to make this funny. It's just it's 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 a tough it's a tough one to nail down. I think. Yeah. Um. I mean, this one starts off with a pretty great gag. I know you loved it. Um. Where it's a it's a Star Wars scrolling text gag. Yeah, that goes way too fast. That's the the gag is that it has a lot of information and it goes by so fast that there's no way you could read it. Yes, yes. And I mean, essentially what this ruling text is, it's like it's laying out classically what Star Wars does. It's like we're in the future and in the future we can travel to other worlds and set up colonies like that's what's going on. And then like halfway through that, they're like, but we can't afford to tell that story. So we're going to tell you a story about an old mining ship. And then it just keeps getting faster and faster. And then like, you know, we in the YouTube times can kind of like pause and look at it. And mostly what it is is like the writer just starts talking about how hard it is to write this and how fast the text is going and how only people with fancy freeze frame VCRs are going to be able to see this. Right, right. It's not a bad gag. It's a bad gag, I think. I mean, it's, it's not a bad gag. Again, it's like it's I don't know if it's particularly hilarious, but it's fine. I get why it's funny on paper. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't work, but it was uh, I, I, I see what they're going for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And hey, can we talk about the ship? Yeah, then we get into a credit sequence where we really get to see the ship itself, and mm-hmm. like you could really tell they're 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 stealing in this in this pilot from all the like miniature work they did for the the original British series. Yeah, so they mention that Red Dwarf—that's the name of the ship—which um, is a reddish kind of ship, and it's very sort of um, bulbous. I don't know what you how you how you describe it. It's because they really need it to be bigger than big. Like they mention, and I know it's kind of a gag, but they mention it has like a bowling alley and a mall and i think they said a football stadium is in it and they show like a whole thing which is obviously a joke because why a would it be zero that g football stadium jordan not just a football stadium <laughs> there you go but to to make that work the ship is like humongous you know it's yeah, it's, it's bigger than any sort of crew yeah exactly yeah and eventually like it's a bit of a long lead up and like we get this intro from the computer uh whose name the computer's name is holly and it is mm-hmm. a classic talking head computer like a huge like we'll get an actor to play the computer their head always appears on the screen and sort of a little mm-hmm. bit pixelated and this is of course played by jane leaves from fraser she's fine in the role it's nice she's she's kind of she maybe more than anyone because she's british can kind of like handle the attempts at humor they're making you can kind of do that like straight man kind of work Eventually, though, we kind of meet the rest of the cast. Like, it's a big ship, so it's hard to know at first who's going to be your lead cast. But when you finally kind of start meeting them, we see there's a gentleman named Dave Lister, who's the, uh, who's, I guess he's on the repair crew, and he's definitely the leading man of this. Yeah, and he's sort of like, I believe in the in the British version, the kind of joke is a little bit of a class joke. He's sort of a blue-collar working type and I think that's still what they're going for here. And again, one of the criticisms was that like, this guy's too good looking as opposed to, you know, if you're blue collar, you can't be good looking for some reason. But anyways, he's sort of, uh, I think it's very funny because I've seen the, obviously the UK version. I, I don't think the man who's lead on that is a, I, he's a very handsome man. I think, I don't know why, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know. It's just, it is anything I've seen. They just keep going and really ragging on this guy as if he's like Fabio. And I was like, he just, he looks like a dude. I don't know if it's that big a criticism. And I think he's, he's perfectly fine. And he has that little bit of that hint of like Han Solo rapscallion kind of, kind of vibe to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we know about him really is that he's on the Red Dwarf because at some point he got drunk in Detroit 
and then woke up on the park bench on the fourth moon of Saturn and had to take a job on this freighter in order to pay his way home. That's okay. It's not a bad gag. Then there is the other character, the other sort of lead character. I'd say. I mean, there's a few, but he, sort of this is the sort of second second hand is uh, Arnold Rimmer, played by uh, a gentleman named Chris Eggleman in the in the first pilot. Who Eggleman. I know him quite well because he's in all of uh, Whit Stillman's uh, independent films, very good films. Uh, and I was like, whoa, what's he doing here? Hmm. But he plays Rimmer, who's kind of a low level company man, like a classic kind of like jerk who wants to get ahead and is really like lords it over the people underneath him but like is is you know he's he's a jerk but like a a very like easy to tear down jerk yeah well he's got a little bit of the bouncer complex right he has a small group of people that are underneath him and he's trying to rule it with an iron fist but he doesn't really have any respect and or authority and he keeps trying to take that officer exam but every time he does he faints yeah and this and this gag plays out later He's taken it again, and he's getting taken away in a straitjacket. Yeah, this time he's lost his mind. Yeah, I was just like, how hard is this? Is that the joke, is how difficult the, the test is, or it, or is it how ill-equipped he is? It's how ill-equipped he is. I think people easily pass this basic test. He just is unable to. The pressure right. is too much for him. Right, right. Uh, and then there is a, a robot we're introduced to, uh, uh, Crichton is his mm-hmm. name. And he is the only character on this played by the same actor who is on the UK version. Though I think he picks up this character around the third series in the UK version. So he's, I think he's only done a couple series at this point. But like they brought him, they brought him to America, and he's like the prosthetics are kind of cool on the robots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's sort of, um, he's he's still flesh toned, the same color of skin as his own skin. But he sort of is. They've added kind of prosthetics uh, and makeup to sort of make him more angular. It's a little bit. It's like halfway between like um max headroom or something Mm, yeah yeah similar or do you remember the robots on tech war for some reason it reminded me of the androids on tech war do they have well they had funny foreheads didn't they yeah they had like a weird like flattened forehead yeah yeah it's kind of like that it's just like they're they're perfectly human they just have a bit of a weird angular look to their faces and he seems to have all of the personality traits and feelings and everything of a human he just take take his head off that's basically it. Yeah, yeah. And he's, for some reason, he's has just joined the crew. So he's kind of the new guy who's going to comment on what, I guess, new things that he's seeing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, he, and there's a little bit of that um, social awkwardness or inappropriateness to what he says because he's a robot. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of kick off with a bit of character development for Dave Lister. As he as when we meet him, he's being broken up with by a, a woman he's seeing, a woman named Chris, um, because he's commitment phobic. So we get to learn about him and how he's he, he's having trouble holding down a relationship. And I only recognized her from uh, Seinfeld. Oh, did you? She was one of George's girlfriends. I th- I'm pretty sure she was the one who uh, played the piano, and he wanted her to think about her while uh, think about him while she played the piano. I think that's what uh, one of the girlfriends. <laughs> Good memory. Yeah. yeah. At any rate, after after he gets broken up with Crichton, drops by his quarters to kind of get you know comfort him to to tell him how sorry he is about that breakup because Crichton got to witness the whole thing and be a bit of a third wheel for it. Mm-hmm. And um, as he's at at uh, at Lister's quarters, a security alert sounds about an unauthorized animal on the ship, and uh, Lister's forced to reveal that he he has a secret pet cat he's brought on the ship. And um, Crichton's and he's like, Crichton, I need you to hide this cat. And uh, Crichton reveals as he's given the cat, he's like, as a robot, I guess he can sense these things or he can see them. Uh, that the cat is pregnant as well, so he's like, you need to hide my pet cat so that the uh, ship doesn't execute it. And they they don't mention. And it's it's not what this show is concerned about, but they don't mention why they have to execute the cat. I don't think. I assume it's um, 
just kind of a foreign, a foreign entity on a spaceship. Right. That, that's what I assume. But they don't really say. They're just like, we need to execute that cat. Yeah, it's, it's, the cat can't be here. It's going to get tossed out of an airlock, so can you please hide this cat for me, Crichton? Of course, um, both Lister and Crichton are caught on ship's cameras, like, with the cat. So the captain just immediately calls them both down to the bridge to, like, tell her. Because they don't quite know where they put the cat, but, like, they have clear video evidence that both of them have, like, conspired to hide the cat. Mm-hmm. They're called down. You know, Lister won't give up the cat because he doesn't know where uh, where Crichton hid it. And Crichton is programmed to follow orders, but he's doing his best not to reveal the truth of where the cat is to the captain. So, you know, he starts shaking around, shooting shooting smoke out of his various uh, various yeah. joints. It, yeah, he basically starts breaking down because he is trying his best not to reveal the secret. But because it counteracts with his programming, he sort of like starts breaking down. And then for some reason, his eyeballs pop out and fall into someone's coffee. That was pretty good. I like when the eyeballs fall on the cuff. Yeah. And then and then what was the joke right after that? Do you remember what the hilarious joke was the one guy said? No, I don't. He's like, in some cultures, that's a delicacy. Oh, yeah. That was bad. That's it. That was the joke. We haven't mentioned enough of the jokes, by the way, that, that have happened along the way. There was one where we see a hologram at the beginning. And uh, because on, on this, they mention, and I don't know if you caught the line, Luke, is that in the future, everyone has essentially... Uh, are scanned to be holograms so that when they die they have to keep working yes yes so we see at the beginning there's a guy who's a hologram um and he mentions that he's a hologram and that he can't um like he goes through things which made me think i don't know how he works like i don't know how he works on the keyboard and stuff but regardless um and he makes the joke that he can't touch anything except for himself so it's just like his sex life yeah it's a great joke jordan and not only not only do they do this but uh, a spoiler for the remake pilot they have someone else do that joke again I mean, a lot, not a lot of them, but several of the jokes from both pilots have just transitioned over. They're like, well, this one still works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're all pretty weak jokes. This is why I'm probably skipping past them. Like, none of them, like, landed as being particularly funny. No. But I, 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 think, we should, I think we should mention them for posterity. Oh, good. Just so they're remembered for the ages. <laughs> At any rate, uh, the captain basically tells Lister, like, he's not, he's not going to give up the cat. He's going to get criminal charges pressed against him. And Lister, which just won't, he won't do it. He won't get it, let his cat be uh, thrown in an airlock. So he gets carted off, and he's going to be basically put into stasis until they get back to Earth in six months. And when he gets back to Earth, he'll basically be prosecuted for the bringing, bringing fauna onto the ship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as he's getting put into the cryostasis chamber, the uh, Chris, the woman he has a crush on, uh, returns. And she's just like, oh, I kind of, you know, I respect what you did. So maybe we can, like, give this relationship another try. Like, that was that was really kind of you mm-hmm. not to give up. Like, you know, you didn't want your cat to die, which is, you know, you would hope human. Very, very basic human uh, instinct. But. but I think it's supposed to be that she's seen another side of him. And she's like, I'll give him another chance. He gets put in the stasis which is like kind of glass wall, like glass door that I don't know why he needs to be on display. But then she sort of like mouths, I love you, whatever. And he's like, oh, this is this is great. This is going to work out. And then immediately he's frozen. Yeah, yeah. There seems to be this moment where he's just like, actually, I'll tell you where the cat is because I, I want to hang out with this girl again. And so they freeze him. I think he's supposed to be frozen for six months, right? Yeah, six months till they get back to Earth. So he's put into stasis. And um, as we, cu- we cut from him, like, you know, pretty pretty much like, He's there frozen, and we just stay with him frozen, and we cut to sometime in the future. He comes out of stasis, and as he steps out of the out of the chamber, the entire ship is empty. Uh, the computer Holly informs him that uh, the entire crew has been killed by a radiation leak, and it's been so long they are the all that exists of the crew now are just like piles of white dust on the ground. Yeah, and actually, there was a joke, and I can't remember exactly what it is. Oh, uh, I know what it is. So he goes, and he's like, what's this white dust? And, he, and I don't know why he would do this, but he picks up and tastes it, and she sort of mentions, like, oh, that's your 
old coworker that is now dust. And he's like, Pugh. and then she makes some sort of joke about, he's like, what do we do with all this stuff? And she mentions that you can use it for like de-icing your driveway or whatever. <laughs> and, and I, I know that's, I'm, I'm butchering the joke, but there was something so dark about it. And that made me, it gave me a little chuckle, but that was the only time in this episode. Where I was like, all right, more of these very dark jokes about what to do with the remains of uh, the crew. Well, that's kind of why I think Holly gets the best lines in it because she gets to be the computer who just like delivers factual information without mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's not without emotion, but it can be just like really dark and like straight. And, like it, it, she gets the best lines as a result. Yeah. Well, and that's the kind of the point here is that she's sort of giving him straight information that is pretty horrible information for him. So he sort of asks, how long has he been out for? Because it's been six months. And she's like, oh, you're going to laugh at this. It's been three million years that you've been in frozen and I've just been waiting to defreeze you because we've been waiting for the radiation to go to be at yeah, a level yeah. that you can survive. You know, it takes a long time for radiation to decay. And so in yeah. a very hard science fiction way, it's taken 3 million years to get to the point where she can unfreeze the uh, only person in stasis to come back to the ship. Yeah. She does have good news though. They have, they still have a holographic projection device. And as you said, in the future, after you die, they have like a personality chip that they can be used to like make you a hologram so you can continue like doing your job but only one of these personnel chips has survived and of course uh in in classic comic fashion his old annoyance uh rimmer is the only one that's uh, made it back and here's another joke that happens so he he gets projected back or whatever you'd say um and he's now a hologram and uh uh what's the main main person's name in the show lister lister lister's like oh zimmer rimmer you're back uh what's death like and he and there's a joke that's in both pilots too he says uh it's like an Amish bachelor party. And I don't get what the know, joke right? is. I don't get the... Uh, you were what, dying on the floor. You couldn't what's believe the joke? how funny it was. Is the, joke, is the joke that Amish don't have bachelor parties? Or is it that their bachelor parties are boring? Or is it that... I don't understand. It's like... I don't... What's the joke? I mean, I think the, I think the joke is just like... Here are two things that you don't go together. And you can't even picture what that would mean. Uh, so I guess death is unknowable. Oh. Uh, all right. I don't know how that would land, even in the British version. If that's the joke, I don't know how that lands. Yeah, I mean, the joke is just like, here's two disparate things we put together, and you're like, okay. Anyway, the the point of it is it's, they seem to be the last two people, even though one's not a real person, and uh, then the computer lets them know there is one other life form on board. Well, we should know, too, and we haven't talked about this at all, and I don't know if you know this from the original red dwarf thing but like they did kind of create one very classic shorthand for holograms that has been like used in lots of places since then but holograms in the red dwarf universe just have an h like the actor Mm -hmm. just has an h pasted to the top of their head so that's how you know they're a hologram and it's honestly one of the things that like even having not watched much of it i know about it and it's it's such a funny shorthand that like i think actually has like become a little iconic sure it's it's a i tell you it's a very budget conscious way of doing it yeah, it's a good. I always thought that was a clever way of doing it, and I think of like it has still has stood the test of time as a like thing that like it's known for. Like it's an iconic image from the right, series. Right, You hated it though. I don't really have a a feeling on it. It just, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. As you said, uh, the computer Holly lets them know that it's detected a life form on the ship, and as they go to look for it, they stumble across uh, Crichton the robot's head on a shelf. I guess he was being reassembled when the radiation leak happened, so his head has just been sitting on a shelf for a million years, waiting three million years, waiting for someone to put it back on his body. Yeah, and here's here's another. It was another joke that I think there's something here, but I don't know why it didn't really work, at least for me. So they come down and they see his head sitting on the shelf, and they're like, 
oh, you're still alive. And he's like, yeah, I've just been waiting for people. They're like, what have you been doing the whole time? And he said, I've just been reading that fire exit sign. And, you know, and the joke being obviously fire exit. That's all he's been reading. And there's something there. I don't know. It just something about the beat or the delivery or something. It just the joke didn't work because I think it's a kind of funny concept (laughs) of the you just keep reading the same two words over and over for three million years. Yeah, I mean, that's just the joke is like anyone else would have got insane. but He's just a robot. So he doesn't care. He just read that sign. So, again, it's just that when you're watching it. It's on paper. You're like, that's funny. And then you see it on the screen. And you go, yeah, it just doesn't really work. <laughs> Your results may vary. I'm sure someone loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, people love other space, Jordan. That's true. Well, Nico does. But the search for this life form continues into a, a cargo bay where Crichton remembers is uh, the same cargo bay. He had hidden the pregnant cat three million years ago. I know this was, I'm sure, a replication of the British version because they have this cat character. But... What an odd idea. And I guess that's what, why you need it to be 3 million years for this to happen. But isn't this the most bizarre idea for creating a science fiction character? I mean, it is it is the one thing that I think is sort of interesting about Red Dwarf. It's not working in this series, but I think it's the thing that people enjoy about the other series. Is like a lot of like the, a lot of their jokes are just dumb, quick ones. But then the other half of their jokes are like really hard science fiction jokes. And this one is here is the computer yeah. will show up and show an animation explaining that the cat was pregnant, had a litter, and then over the course of three million years, slowly but surely, a cat civilization like evolved and formed and grew up in this in this cargo hold and like lived many lives. And there was just like so many of them that at some point a civil war would break out, killing all but one. And now this is like the civil war has just ended and now we only have one character left and it's this cat. And it's like it's it's very like um, Hitchhiker's Guide from the Galaxy kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I think this the whole idea of that is something they and I'm sure the British version does. But it's something that I wish this show leaned into more because it's such an odd concept. And then the result, as we're going to learn, is there's a humanoid type cat that's the character we're going to meet who for all intents purposes on first appearances looks just like a human but has cat tendencies or cat yeah, personality you, that's basically what we line mean. features on their face and some cat tendencies and it's played by a, a broadway star named hilton battle mm-hmm. which i think first of all in your pilot if you're going to cast a broadway star like at least let him sing a little in your pilot that's <laughs> why you cast him i think i'm sure it was just for like uh, dance-esque sort of cat movements was what they were going for. <laughs> but yes, they find him, and that sort of introduces, finally gets us the full cast together. We now have the last man on Earth, the hologram, the uh, robot, and this cat who's evolved for three million years. Um, which, you know, it's it works in the British show, but they don't. we don't get to spend any time with any of these characters in this episode. It's all just like... It's all introductions. Set up, basically. Yeah. They all end up returning to the bridge to meet with Holly, and as they get there... A, suddenly a wormhole opens on the bridge and what they see is themselves from the future appear on the bridge of the red dwarf minus minus rimmer he's not there and he's very concerned by his absence but who is who's added is that girl who had a crush on mm-hmm. who uh who Lister had a crush on chris for some reason is somehow alive stepping through this wormhole from the future to talk to them and they've basically come to give them a message a, a message something very important it's like We've come here all this way, and we have this thing. You have to be very careful. And just before they explain the message, they sort of just disappear. Yeah, yeah. They keep getting distracted by, like, people having questions that aren't the purpose of their trip. And they're like, this is mm-hmm. ca- taking a lot of energy for us to send you back, send us back here to tell you this message. And they're like, but here's what's important. You got to. And then, of course, the power cuts out, and mm-hmm. they are zapped away. So nobody knows what the message was supposed to be. But the lead character guy basically 
he sort of decides that what it must be is try to get home. That's what it must be, or at least that's the direction they're going to go in after this this non-message. I did like how he just like did got no information. He's like, well, I, it's got to be they want us to go home. That's the only answer. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, goes and he's like, all right, Holly, let's go back home. And Holly reveals that the Red Dwarf has actually been accelerating away from Earth for the last three million years since since the radiation leak. So they are quite a distance from Earth as well. But what does he say? He's, she's like, we're never going to get back. And he's like, maybe there's a shortcut. It's just like Voyager. Maybe there's a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And there was, Jordan. Borg wormholes. <laughs> That's right. And this sort of ends ends it in a comic scene where he keeps trying to like, he's like well i'll just punch in the coordinates and turn the ship around and every time he pushes a button like the lights go on or a radio turns on he can't quite figure out which is the right button and finally he just like leans against the console and the and the rockets fire and then we get a sequence that was so odd and i know why why they did it but watching the episode it seemed like a real like your neck was just snapped back they're like and here's other things that are going to happen and they have like uh old uh, daphne from fraser they got her head floating on space and she's just telling you, like, future adventures we're going to have. And they show clips. And I'm assuming it's clips from the British show that they've just uh, they've uh, repurposed here. But it's just like, here's other adventures you're going to have. Yeah, Lister's going to learn to fly a space shuttle. And it's going to be banged around. Mm-hmm. Um, Rimmer's going to make himself uh, his, a biological body to get out of his, ro- his, uh, his hologram body. And it's going to explode in a gooey mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Crichton's going to meet a lady robot and fall in love, but that lady robot's actually going to be a really slimy, gooey space alien. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And many more. And many, many more. Um, But yes, that sort of wraps up. And, you know, you can really see, like, like, they're like, we made this pilot. And, like, even when it ends, when it ends and they're like, he leans on the button and the ship rockets, I was like, is that, like, it didn't even feel like it was the end of the episode. It was kind of like the episode just stopped. And then yeah. they're like, here's future adventures. I'm like, okie dokie. This feels like a, this, this was never, clearly never going to air this pilot. Yeah, it feels incomplete at best. Yeah, it would have, this was at best a like proof of concept to show an executive. There's no way this would have, could have ever gone on television. Yeah, agreed. Um, but we'll t- take a quick moment because as we said, they shot this pilot, they stopped down. Some of it's working, some of it's not, according to the executives. So they're like, let's bring the UK guys in, let's shoot like, I think it's probably it was like a 10 minute teaser for like an alternate pilot. It's not a full pilot. It's more of a teaser for what a pilot could be with a slightly rigid cast. Now, well, before we speak about it, how did you feel? How effective did you think this was as a not a retooling of the pilot, but a way to try to like pick pieces and kind of fix it as a sellable as a sellable content, I suppose. Like, did you think it was... Because basically what we're going to get, and we'll talk about it, is like, there's a lot of kind of talking heads, like talking direct to the screen to kind of uh, narrate over footage that they don't have. Um, that's the basic concept. And like you said, they kind of shoot a couple, like, one-handers, you know, over, uh, uh, you know, in front of a screen sort of thing as as a way to try to get around it. How did you... Did you think it was effective? Do you think it was... It worked at all? I mean, it's an interesting idea. Like, I get the concept of shooting it as a promo... In some ways, you have the advantage of you can steal footage from the British show and the pilot to, like, give it a bit more context and, like, what it might look like. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's a comedy, they need to shoot these one-handers with the cast or, like, these, like, two-handers where they're just, like, in a room just to show it's, like, here's what jokes are going to be like on the show. Like, I understand yeah. why it's connected that way and how they're trying to, like, frame it. Ultimately, I don't – like, I didn't find it any funnier than the pilot, so I think it's a failure. And then it's just, like – 
you made a pilot didn't quite work and then you just kind of repeated the same thing but in a shorter form yeah i felt the same way i actually think the structure as you're saying it when you watch the first the pilot we just talked about it doesn't feel like a pilot it feels like a proof of concept as you mentioned and as a proof of concept i think it's a failure now they do this second which is seems to be purposely made as a proof of concept and i think it works better the problem is the content they keep cutting to like you're saying to show showcase the show and the characters and the jokes doesn't work so then you're now just showcasing something that didn't work you know yeah i mean you know it's more forgivable for like some of the lackluster because yes the promo piece but like it's not any funnier unfortunately which is the thing it needs to be you know what it reminded me of a lot is you remember when we watched the earth 2 promo yeah i thought the exact same thing it was it was very similar to be like we'll take what we have we've got all this footage of a show that has a lot of budget to it and we'll just take that to give it like the sheen and then we'll just kind of restructure something around it and be like eh, this is what it'll be later why don't we talk about it because this is only a 10 minute thing uh and it yeah. sort of starts with two guys and one is our lead and yeah. one I, who was the other dude lister is the same cat actor like the yeah. lead is lister's back and then they've just recast rimmer so right. that's that's the hologram and they're just hanging out in like a bunk basically and you're supposed to get the sense you know it's like buddy comedy in their where they have to sleep basically and they're both just watching tv they're discussing the sexiness of the flintstone characters is what they're talking about yeah yeah is is wilma sexy is the question of it <laughs> So that and that's one of the few things that is in this that is not really uh, like it's not clips from what we had previously seen. And it's weird because I don't know if that joke makes makes it better, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to show what the tone of it is. It's, it's like it's like a hangout. It's basically a lot of this, like I think they're like it's going to be a lot of hangout humor where they're just doing something and like just talking about pop culture. And like that's sort of what that is. But like none of it's particularly funny. Mm-hmm. The next gag is they kind of do a scene where. Lister is talking into the camera, very Big Brother confessional style, basically trying to explain to the viewer and then in in world anyone who finds this messenger pod what has happened. He's basically giving the like, you know, uh, exposition as to what this show is about. Like, I am in the future because I got cryofrost. Now I'm stuck here with like all these different characters. And then the gag here is that like the hologram will stick his head and says, oh, you're not recording the uh, the, the red lights on. That means it's not recording. You've got to push the button and the green light will come on. And then you're recording. And then like he's like, oh, thank you. He like leans in to push the button. The whole screen goes black and then comes back up. And they're like, well, that was a great recording. Let's send this pod out. The idea being like they turned yeah. it off and shot nothing into space. And I, I'll say as a convention of a promo i think this was a good idea it's a cheap way it gets a lot of information across it's just that what they cut to is still not very funny yeah and i mean what this is, is it gives them a chance to introduce all the characters you're gonna show so there's like he's like then there's there's rimmer this hologram it's very funny is they use the scene from the pilot where the hologram first appears so like you get the whole effect of the hologram appearing mm-hmm. but then they have to hard cut really quickly as the actor who played rimmer appears because they've recast him so it's now cut to like a very like awkward close-up of this new actor being like <laughs> hi it's me i'm new <laughs> i think he might even i think he even makes the amish joke there he's like i'm back and you know what death's like an amish funeral yeah they make that joke again because again they're just like it works so well the first time you can really tell which jokes the british guys wrote in the original pilot because they're like we're bringing those ones back yeah yeah um and they of course show the computer who is uh, holly they mostly use footage of uh jane leaves from the original pilot that's very funny she'll pop back for some new footage very near the end of the 10 minutes completely different hairstyle <laughs> That's, yeah, I laughed at that too. Uh, well, actually, the guy who plays Lister also has different facial hair and different uh, hair length. So 
this clearly was shot sometime later because yeah uh jane levy is that her name jane leaves jane leaves uh who's jane levy i mean you're thinking of uh the levy oh jane levy's in the uh evil dead movie the remake sure um anyways uh jane leaves yeah her hair's like inches longer so i was like how long do they take to uh, working on this like a whole year well it feels like her hair looks like she does in uh frazier so i almost feel like she's shooting the pilot to frazier right now i guess i'll come back for two (laughs) seconds for this you so they introduce her they bring up Crichton, and it's so funny because as i don't know if you noticed this in the youtube right like there's in the synopsis under the youtube video the the person who uploaded explains that they're like and there's a robot named Crichton, and then like you don't see anything about Crichton. Apparently, YouTube flags the section with Crichton because it's all footage from the British show. They just right. used a scene from the British show and just, like, didn't shoot anything new with him. So YouTube flags it and removes it from the actual That's so things. funny. You don't see any of whatever that was. Well, anyways, it doesn't really matter. It would have been something we saw before. And then finally, they're like, they introduce the recast cat. And this time, this is where Terry Farrell from Deep Space Nine comes in. She's now a, a female version of the cat. And we get to see, uh, like, a little two-hander where her and Lister are, like, walking around the ship. And they explain that they're... You don't see anything. It's just like them walking in a corridor, a corridor, and Lister's explaining that, like, we're hunting an armor-plated genetic mutant who wants to impregnate us with his demons, his demon seed. Yeah, you're, they're they're really just trying to show again the tone of what yeah. you're gonna have, and then they also want to play, I think, a little bit of the sexual tension between these two characters. Well, they definitely they've they've gender swapped the cat, and in doing so, they're like she's now our sex symbol like you can really tell they're making uh poor poor dax do a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting of being like be real sexy for everybody yeah but it's a weird idea isn't it let's say this became a series and they wanted that to be a love interest but she's a cat and d- d- there's no chemistry between them like you can actually see the two actors like actively trying to like not do not do the thing they've written <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, you can see them being like, I know you want us to have, like, something, but, like, we don't, we ourselves find it uncomfortable. So we're, like, they're trying to toad down any, like, potential sexual chemistry. It's funny. The the uncomfortableness is, like, palpable. Yeah. They're like, we don't, if this goes to series, we don't want to do this. So we're going to, like, make sure uh, it doesn't work. (laughs) And then they go into, it's very funny. They're like, they're like, and now we're going to show you what some possible episodes might look like. And they're like. They each get titles too. Like I think one is like uh, Crash Landing or something. It's called Marooned. Marooned. And you, what you see is a shot from the British show. I'm sure where where a little a little shuttle crashes on an ice on an ice planet. You know, real good effects work. Way mm-hmm. more money than this thing I had to make anything with. So they're just like stealing from the British show. And then what you see is the uh, you see Lister and the hologram Rimmer, and they're sta- they're sitting in front of a white, just a white piece of cloth to like represent the ice planet because they don't have anything it's just a white cloth on a wall yeah and they're in front of what i guess is supposed to be like a futuristic type fire thing to heat them up and you know what's weird is i was like oh this is kind of cute i just thought the conversation they're having was so dumb it's it's supposed to be like a bonding moment you know that like you've seen it many times in tv shows characters are stranded so thus they open up to each other in a way they haven't before and you learn more about them and this is they're having a conversation about when they lost their virginity and i just thought it's so tacky i mean that's exactly what, i mean when have you ever had that conversation <laughs> exactly no one has had this conversation and and i'll give this to the show it's not done in supposed to be uh, it's not done in a way to be gross the joke is really supposed to be that rimmer um is such a asexual character or such a dweeb so or uptight. whatever they're doing 
he's so uptight that what he's more concerned about is vehicles and he likes cars so when he finally says the story about how he lost his virginity which was in a car he's really instead of you know giving the nitty-gritties about the girl he's giving the information about the car that's really the joke i mean it's it's exactly like the opening where they're watching tv it's just like a hangout moment like it's like here's two characters hanging out having a convo like this will be what part of the show's like we're either going to be hunting genetic mutants who want to impregnate with their demon seed or it's gonna be doing some hangout comedy (laughs) yeah exactly exactly because really, and the next one, I, I don't also don't remember the name of the second possible episode. We get like a title card. It's like, this episode's called mm-hmm. a Rocket Attack or something. Right. And then what we see is like the like Cat, Lister, and Rimmer are all like leaning over a monitor. They're like, oh no, an alien has shot a rocket at us. What are we going to do? And like, this is supposed to be like, oh, here's where we're going to have some fun, like low stakes uh, action coming in. And like the row, we get it. We, this is where Jane Leaves reappears as the as the computer Holly. She repeats a joke from the first pilot where like the siren some, joke, some sparks shoot out of her. And she's like, ah, oh, sparks are shooting out of me. Actually, that one felt all right. Yeah, yeah. They were like that. You got to keep that in. Yeah, it looks great. It's great. So it's a, it's a sort of such a weird little piece where they're like, here's some things, and then like you know a lot of clips from the original the original show to kind of like fill out like how it could look or what it might feel like. But it's it's such an odd little teaser to like. It definitely was this like. They weren't set up for success. Like if, if I mean, they were, it's so weird to be, they were given the chance to try again, but they really didn't like, it's not, it's not exponentially better than the original American pilot, even by bringing the British guys in. It still feels almost the same. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah. It feels like you're like, well, here, can you come fix this thing? But we're going to handcuff you in every way possible. So what's the point of doing this? I mean, I agree. They definitely handcuffed them. Like they weren't given the opportunity, but it's like, but it's also not like the British guys came in and were like, well, they really messed up their material. We're going to come in and really show how different our material is. Like you can't like you honestly, if you didn't know it was by two different creators, you would think it's the same, the same guy wrote both. I would agree. I agree. Like it doesn't feel like it's an improved. It's just like cheaper. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it would have been different if this was just chock full of jokes. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like, we don't have any money. So we're just gonna have characters just saying funny things we can cut clips of that it's like that'd be one thing but the only jokes that are repurposed are unfunny jokes to begin with or at least jokes that don't land and then the rest is just like you know it's supposed to develop characters like you're saying showing that they're hanging out but then the scenes aren't funny either so you're like okay thanks for showing us this no i know it's very funny to watch them like recycle jokes from the pilot where like you're like what like so you watch the original pilot and you're like oh they they totally fucked up my joke there let's let's show them how it's done and then you just deliver it in the exact same way yeah yeah exactly or or yeah as opposed to like this for whatever reason just doesn't translate the same way whether it's the accent the uh uh the rhythm the the actual context of the show just doesn't work it's like just try it again I mean, I read a little piece on uh, I'm on Wikipedia where they're talking to the actor who plays the robot Crichton, mm-hmm. and he was, he, and I mean, maybe this was in your documentary. I'm not sure. Uh, he had mentioned that, you know, he had done two of the British series already, and he was coming over here to do the American one, and he said he like he showed up to set and he was like, on the British set. I like I'm I'm really like I'm really wacky and I like do all kinds of like funny things to keep the cast entertained. I'm really like you know he's I, I guess he mm-hmm. must be and like and on the British show they think he's so funny and it keeps the end like everyone's like loving it and they're having a great time and he's like I showed up and I was kind of doing the same thing I was bringing the same wacky energy off camera and like you know goofing mm-hmm. around with the cast and he's like none of the American cast enjoyed it they didn't like what I was doing and we like were, did not think it was fun or funny and he's like whereas my British co-stars always thought it was fun and funny so I want like, you know. Maybe part of it is too is just like over like 
they're having so much fun doing the British show, and on the American show, it's just like nobody's having any fun at all. Yeah, yeah. You said it before, but this did seem like it was set up to fail. It did definitely, definitely was not working in any way. Yeah, before. yeah. Well, and that's really the the kick of the bucket for the Americans. Uh, your sort of classic thing of trying to redo an American, uh, a British thing, and it not working. Well, definitely did not work here. Yeah. So let's uh, want to want to rate these things. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna give it a one. There's like, there's probably one moment I enjoyed it. You know what? Much like this show and repurposing jokes, Luke, uh, I'm also gonna give it a one. I mean, it it deserves what it got, I guess. Yeah, it's that's the thing. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll give this to it, and I'll, why I'll give it a one is that, and perhaps this is not fair. This isn't mean spirited at all, and I feel like everyone tried, and I feel like the actors are really trying. I feel like the writers are really trying. Everyone involved wants to make something that's good. I think even the dumb dumb executives who didn't know what they're doing and were probably interfering you know i think everyone was genuinely a fan of the british version that's why they wanted to make this but just through bad decisions through bad casting through bad writing through all these it just doesn't work but i don't get the sense that it was out of uh out of malice or because no one cared you know what i mean like that would be worse this is just it's just something that like for whatever reason everything they tried just doesn't work Never, never translated. And, you know, in, as you know, Jordan, 1992, just before, like, like the first Star Trek spinoff series, this was the time where every network yeah. was just like, people really like this Star Trek show. How can we make more of them? And they were trying. They were really we've watched some of them. They were really taking as many kicks at the mm-hmm. can as they could. And this was just like one seemed to be working somewhere else. Like, maybe it'll work here. And it just it just didn't. It just didn't work. Yeah. And it's bad. Like, that's the thing. Like, this is just bad. Like, the, the best thing it has going for it is it's short, but it's, like, it's not entertaining, which is a bummer because, like, it could be. It's just not. Better or worse than Other Space? Oh, this is worse. No. <laughs> okay. This is worse than Other Space, yeah. I don't have any strong opinion either way. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and again, another show just doesn't really work, but every now and then they they, they got a little bit more uh, chance to have things work. They had episodes, right? This is one. If this maybe had six episodes or eight episodes, maybe some things would have gelled a little bit more. But in a pilot, no, this just this is this not is a bad pilot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps it up. So, listener, you can email us at teamdragonchainall.com if you have anything you want to let us know about. And uh, on Instagram and Twitter, we will have some clips from Red Dwarf USA. So you can uh, – they're really – I mean, as you said, the quality's bad. It was passed around a lot, so the quality has degraded like over the decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple few different versions of it, and varying qualities, and a few different cuts and stuff. But yeah, it it's not it's uh the, the, there's there's clear degradation. Yeah, yeah. I've had to I've had to really skim through it to pick out the like clearest shots for these. <laughs> <laughs> But that wraps it up for this episode. So, uh, listener, thank you for joining us, and Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.